today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's got a full schedule this week. He's going to be meeting with the uh, provincial premiers later. That's going to be an awful lot of fun. That'll be in New Brunswick. But speculation is also rampant that he will be announcing a cabinet shuffle probably around midweek, which seems to be almost something that you expect now when you're getting close to an election, a provincial election, federal election, whatever uh, the case might be. There's usually a, a kind of a shuffle just before that. Joining us to talk about this is Peter Gray, professor of political science at McMaster University. Good morning, Peter. How are you doing today? Great, thanks. Is there some unwritten code someplace that when you're in government and you're heading towards an election, it's time to shuffle everybody around? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, governments have to uh, pay attention to... Uh, you know, who might be leaving, for instance, in the uh, upcoming election. Uh, you know, there's uh, maybe a point in taking someone and uh, uh, who's unlikely to run but sitting in cabinet and uh, asking them to make space for someone else, I mean, uh, which does two things. On the one hand, it allows you to, uh, you know, have regular turnover and so that you have new people being promoted and are able to, to take things over, and that doesn't all happen at once. And secondarily, there's probably some electoral visibility that comes from being uh, a member of cabinet, which can be used both to try and, and prop up someone who's maybe not a sure thing in their own riding, or if you want them to be around touring into a, you know, a particular area and uh, supporting other local campaigns, the fact of having minister of something attached to them may uh, make them a bit more of a draw and a bit more capable to drive votes in an election campaign. I wonder about that, because I'm looking at the past provincial election, and uh, there are only seven liberals, of course, that were in power last time that were re-elected. Six of them were cabinet ministers. Can we read something into that? Well, it's hard to know which way uh, the the causality goes on that. I mean, did they survive because they had the extra visibility of being cabinet ministers, or were they seasoned pros, and that's why they were in cabinet in the first place, and they were therefore a bit better able to... Uh, uh, you know, they they developed a higher profile due to their skills and capacities. So, you know, it's hard to know exactly which way that goes. I, I presume if you're sitting on the back benches, uh, you know, of that Liberal government that had been there for 15 years, it maybe it was also, you know, a signal that you were not, uh, if you like, the highest performer uh, in the party. So it's hard to know which way that goes. But, I mean, certainly, you know, at this time last year, we I think we were having this very discussion when uh, Ted McMeekin stepped mm-hmm. down. Yeah. Uh, and I think at the time we presumed he wasn't going to run again, and I think he might have presumed that himself uh, before changing his mind. And that would be the example of a, of a government wanting to have a kind of regular turnover. I mean, we've just had the World Cup, you know, which happens every four years, just like uh, our elections tend to. And it's kind of a similar story when you think, well, are these players going to be here in another four years? You, you know, the teams need to renew themselves and bring in fresh talent. And so similarly with cabinet, uh, you know, there's a, a benefit in terms of having uh, changes at several points over a four-year mandate. Obviously, the first time that any leader, be it a, a prime minister or premier, has to go through this is, is after they get elected. Uh, and they've got to choose a cabinet. And now here we are three years, almost four years into the mandate, uh, heading into an election. And as you mentioned, it's time for a revamp. Did they use the same criteria, Peter, that they did initially? Yeah, they have to use some of the same criteria. Uh, I mean, people will look at the cabinet and say, well, are the different regions and the different constituencies in Canada, are the major cities represented? Those kinds of questions will be asked. I think given the emphasis that Trudeau put on having uh, an equal number of women and men in his cabinet means that people will judge you know, what he does on that grounds as well. So, uh, I mean, those criteria are still there, but then I think some more immediate ones come forward. I mean, looking to this election in a year's time to say, well, you know, do we have around here people who can go and help local campaigns 
uh, use the credibility and the visibility they get as being a minister uh, to uh, reinforce electoral prospects. And I suspect, too, I mean, Trudeau is saying, okay, well, what are the hot issues for the coming 12 months? Uh, when he swore in his original cabinet, he wasn't thinking about a renegotiation of NAFTA. He wasn't thinking about an Ontario provincial government that would be pushing hard against the current refugee policy. I mean, these are things where he'll want to ensure that he's got talents in cabinet uh, in those files uh, to ensure that they're well handled coming up to the election and don't cause embarrassment or a kind of leakage of votes and support uh, between now and next spring. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.